Hey there, welcome back to Girl Take the Lead podcast. I'm your host, Yolanda Candy, and Holly Butler joins me today. Holly is an actress, songwriter, and author of the book, Me, Myself, and Marilyn, Travails of a Love-Hungry Lookalike. Um, one of the things you should know is that Holly was also a Marilyn Monroe impersonator for 25 years in California, Nashville, and around the world. And she's incorporated her knowledge of Marilyn and some of her adventures into this fictional tale. We'll also be referring to the CNN four-part original series, Reframed, Marilyn Monroe, which re-examined Marilyn's story to uncover themes of feminism, sexuality, and power. She's so much more than just beautiful. One could argue that Marilyn is truly a leader. Holly, so wonderful to have you with us today and for us to discuss your book and also your deep knowledge, basically, of Marilyn Monroe. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your book? Because I think you've been a leader in the subject as well as the way in which you have done the book. Initially, when I wanted to write this book, it was going to be based on a young actress who, uh, Marilyn Monroe, because I had been a Marilyn Monroe impersonator for many years, like 25 years. And I had a lot of crazy experiences playing the role uh, that I thought that I could incorporate into a story that would just be a lot of fun as far as the various gigs I did as Marilyn. Um, So that was how, that was how the Marilyn piece became a part of my book, actually. Uh, Originally, I was just going to write a a story about a young divorcee going through a rough time and finding her way. But um, I thought, well, I have to have her working at some kind of job. Well, what could she be? The character, okay? And um, it just seemed pretty apparent that I should use the the Marilyn Monroe job, since that was something that I knew a lot about. So the way in which you wrote the book seemed to be a way that you were channeling Marilyn and her, like her essence. And she was kind of guiding you in the book. Did you feel that when you were writing it? You know, I, I think this will be a disappointment to people, but I didn't. <laughs> um, I, I really resisted having the story be about a woman who was channeling Marilyn. But the kind of response I kept getting, the feedback I was getting from other writers in my writing group when I was attempting to write this book was that they would say, this character is so much like Marilyn Monroe. You should have her channel Marilyn. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that because one of the big issues that I had myself when I played Marilyn Monroe was I always negated it. And, and, I, and I thought, I just want to be accepted for myself and seen as myself as an actress and not as Marilyn Monroe. And I, I really resented playing the role. It's just insane the way I, the way I viewed it. And so uh, the writers and then my editor were saying, well, I really think that you need to be 
that you need to channel Marilyn. I think that could really make it unique. So I had a friend tell me, a, a really close friend of mine who's actually very spiritual and she does believe in channeling. And it is her contention that once I opened myself up to it, that I really was channeling Marilyn. And the, the last second half of the book, when I started incorporating the channeling of Marilyn, and I started to, I was just really having fun. And I started thinking, who knows, maybe I am, I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because uh, it, it seems like it, and and I think the use of the quotes that you had throughout the book. What what was your favorite quote? Do you have a favorite? Oh gosh, uh, my favorite quote was, um, "I'm patient, I'm insecure, and at times I'm a little bit out of control. But if you can't handle me at my worst, then you don't deserve me at my best." And that. I originally had as the very opening quote before the husband and wife had their fight. And, and he said, you know, he was sick of her because uh, I wanted to, sh you know, she was a bit of a, the character, not Marilyn Monroe, but was a bit of a mess. And, but she wanted to be, she wanted to be accepted for her messiness, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how I, how I wound up losing that quote along the way. I, I went through and meticulously decided which quotes were going to go in front of which chapters and how they, and sometimes I would be like, oh gosh, this quote just fits this perfectly. And I didn't even mean for it to, you know, it just like, it would just set it up so well. And so maybe that was Marilyn channeling. Who knows? <laughs> I, I kind of like my favorite was all a girl really wants is one guy to prove to her that they are not all the same. Yes. I love uh, that one too. <laughs> I really love that one. Uh, that was the one I went, Oh, I had to tell Emma. I had to tell Kiki, like, here's listen to this. This is so great. Yeah. And uh, I feel like I'm very blessed because I kind of did find that guy. Um, so Yes. They're out there, girls. Just yeah. hang in there. <laughs> That's what I keep yeah. telling them. You know, we've talked a little bit about Marilyn. Do you think that she was ahead of her time when it came to sexuality? I think that she learned very early on how to use her feminine wiles to get things from men. And I think she consciously used it. And I think she enjoyed using that. And having that power and, and noticing that she had that. But I also think that hurt her as well. So I think it was like, is double-edged sword, sword the right way to put it? I think, because I think, like, for instance, um, you know, in the CNN special that they, in the um, CNN special that, that was just aired, reframed Marilyn Monroe, there was a part where when Marilyn went to New York and they did a big publicity stunt to show her to the press as the new Marilyn. Well, I even thought to myself as I was watching it, well, she's wanting to come across as the new Marilyn, but she's wearing the glamorous dress and the furs and the, and so even she could not get out of her own creation of, of what she knew for her. And I think that was her, I think that was her downfall. Um, because 
like I said, if, if, if double-edged sword is the right way of saying it, I think it, I think it was because on one hand it was her power. And then on the other hand, um, it, it kind of worked against her in some ways, you know, some, some of the ways in which she dealt with power, especially during that time seemed to be very intentional. Like she knew what she was doing. Right. Did, did you think like, I, yeah, I, I did think, I did think it was very intentional. And, and in that way, I do think that she was ahead of her time. And she was even quoted as saying, you know, um, this is not an exact quote, but about, you know, I, uh, sex is natural. And I believe in being natural, something like that. I mean, that I'm paraphrasing, but I do think that a lot of her publicity stunts, uh, things that she did, I think were by design. But then again, I think she was trapped in the, in the character that she portrayed. I, I had things in my book that I did do a lot of research. I, even though that I, even though I played the character for 25 years, there was a lot of stuff that I didn't research because I, as I might've mentioned already, I, I, I just felt like it was a job and, you know, I didn't, I really wasn't all that interested in researching (laughs) when I first started playing Marilyn, I was like, Oh, I'll just talk with a breathy voice. And, and as years went on, I learned more and more, but I did a lot more research in writing this book and found actual interviews and things that she said that, that weren't in the CNN movie, although, I mean, TV show, even though I liked it very much, I really liked the program. There were things that she said that I incorporated in the book, but uh, of course, you know, she, she really wanted to have a baby. She always really wanted to have a baby. And I do, I did put that in the book. She, I think, struggled with the fact that she created this persona, this over-the-top persona, and then she wanted to be accepted as herself. What I think, what I find kind of amusing now uh, is my whole struggle with wanting to be accepted as myself. And there I was playing Marilyn. And that's what Marilyn always wanted was to just be accepted as herself. But she created the character and the persona and she did it knowingly, you know, and she knew that it worked. Uh, And especially since in some cases it meant more to her than the relationship with her husband, the Joe DiMaggio kind of thing where she, you know, her skirt goes up a million times and she's having fun with it. And he's totally upset. Right. Yeah. And so many times I think as women we're put in these situations where, oh, do you choose the relationship or do you choose yourself? Right. So like, how do you, how do you manage both? And I think she was a great example of, of this is at the time what it took to have a career in Hollywood and in such a competitive environment, being so male dominated. And she's a legend. Right. How did that happen? 
It's you amazing. Know? Well, she is just absolutely beautiful. I mean, watching the show the other night, I was just like, I've been looking at her photos for years, but again, just seeing it the I other know. night, I was mm-hmm. like, she's just beautiful. Uh, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, she, she did. I mean, that was brave of her to, from everything I've read, she's the one who filed for divorce with Joe DiMaggio. You know, she could have, woman of the 50s, she could have said, okay, dear, and and quit the movie business and just been a wife. But um, it was unfair of him. And she saw that it was unfair. And she, and she you know, she uh, did what she needed to do. And that was great, I think. And then also they didn't touch upon this in the um, the reframed Marilyn, but Arthur Miller had very much betrayed Marilyn during the, the movie Prince and the Showgirl from what I've read. So she didn't, she didn't stay with him. I mean, I, I don't know which, which of those two did the marriage, but um, yeah, she just, she, she really, she really tried to stand for herself and by forming the production company, that was a big, a big step. And she did get her way after she did that. She held them hostage <laughs> I, and, and had the tenacity to hang with it. What I think is really, I didn't know this when I was writing the book, but now I think it's really great. <laughs> And that it's resonating with women that Marilyn is the voice of reason in the book. It says, you know, I've made mistakes and now I don't want you to make them. That kind of thing, you know, that she talks about some of the ways that she believed, whether whether it's actually true or not. I'm just basing it on things that I've read and researched. But and then she's asking Kelly, you don't have to believe this way, you know, Uh you have to love yourself before you can love anyone else and things like that, that now, especially after seeing reframed uh, Marilyn Monroe, you can imagine her saying those things, Yeah, you know? And for our listeners, just so you know, um, Kelly is the key character in the book. Um, so um, she, she really does. And I do think Holly, you did a great job of putting her story out there, you know, so much of it was, I wonder how much of this is Holly's story. <laughs> you know, when you, when you know the author, you kind of go, hmm. um, I wonder who this character is, you know, but um, I, it was really fun to read it and, um, and to hear her journey, you know, to just really see her journey and her own coming to her own persona, which we all are. I think we're always growing and we're all coming to understand our own voice, be influenced by others. Um, I'm curious about Marilyn today and what you think makes her so appealing that CNN does something on her She's got millions of followers around. I think they're all following you now because you wrote the book, (laughs) (laughs) but there's, there's a fan club that is just amazing. 
there's tons of fan clubs. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's, you know, she has this um, appeal that seems so, so sweet. And um, just, just so genuine. Yeah, I think you're right. The authenticity that would come through whenever she was, you know, on camera or whatever filming. I think we do see that genuine quality in her. You know, some of us want to protect her and rescue yeah. her. I think when we describe leadership, we describe leadership as followers, right? Whether mm -hmm. they're physical or virtual or, but when you look at her today with all the followers she has, that is one heck of a leader. Mm -hmm. That is, I mean, we're, we're continuing to admire her, understand her more, not necessarily as a victim, but as somebody who was pretty sure of what they were doing and what they needed to do. Would you, would you agree with that? Yes, I, I would. And I, I do think, um, I do think it's fantastic that they put that show out there, reframed Marilyn, because it does, even though people, yeah, as you said, people have always loved her. It seems, you know, now people have a different take. Now I I still have the take that she was victimized, but I think that she, and that to me is still tragic, um, but I think that she tried to work the system as much as anyone could in that day and age, you know, and, and I thought it was very interesting at the end of that program and not to get totally off on this program, but that her friend, the um, Milton Green's wife yeah. said, you know, she overdosed on arbiturates. That's, that's it. You know, she took too many and then she forgot she took them. And, and she, you know, cause there's just been so many conspiracy theories forever. And I think they will continue. People are going to think what they, what they want to, but that was interesting to me. Uh, that she just said, you know, that was it, that that was the, the sad state of what happened. Mm -hmm. I think Go you've ahead. mentioned to me that not everybody embraces Marilyn as leader. Right. Right. That, that you've run into some, I wouldn't say criticism, but some different points of view that she is not a leader. Can you, maybe talk a little bit about what you think detractors see in her or maybe fear in her, or I'm not sure what that's about. Well, I think people that would not view her as a leader are those that believe that perhaps she really was just the dumb blonde that she was actually playing and that she just was a total victim and 
But I don't know. I don't, I, I, if I said that, I don't know of too many people that really think that, (laughs) you know, I mean, there, there probably are plenty of people that think she was just a, just a, just a victim, but I just think it's more complicated than that because as I've said, I think she was victimized, but not necessarily that she's a victim, if that makes sense. So maybe a good word is exploited. Maybe she was exploited. Yeah, I think she was exploited. I do think she was exploited. And um, again, what I resonated so much with was this idea of her wanting to be seen as herself, yet she created this larger than life persona. In fact, they even had that at the very end of the program. It brought me to tears. It was like a final thing she said, which was, she just wanted to be seen as a human being. And that really, it really made me really feel sad. I think one of the quotes you had in the book, I am not a victim of emotional conflicts. I'm a human. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that I was not aware of, I didn't know anything about it. And uh, if I had, I would have loved to have had it in my book. And that is uh, her having written that article called Wolves I Have Known. Yeah. Wolves I, Wolves I Have Known. Um, and um, pretty early Me Too movement, way, way early. <laughs> right. And um, I got on, um, I'm on um, a couple of Maryland fan sites right now. And somebody put the, posted the entire article on there. And yeah, I was just amazed because I I'd never heard of it. Never heard of that article. And, and that's, that is interesting that that has not been more publicized, you know, that that's not been something in the consciousness. Well, it just seemed that my marketing hat was on and I was listening to events that she created, uh, being on red book, you know, being in that space of that magazine at the time, different things, you know, what she wore, what she looked like all calculated. And I thought, you know, that, like you said, that the, the persona is there, the identity is there, but it, it locks her in it's, it's her identity and it, she couldn't be anything else. That was, that was it. Right. And, and I think we look at our, our leaders as, you know, they're not single, you know, they they have a life, they have more going on than just their one persona, what their title might be or what, you know, they, you know, it just sort of seems like there's more to life. And they're typically, they're typically men, you know, I mean, I think what you just said about her, she, she couldn't get beyond her looks, you know, and that's a common problem or has been through the years with women that are very attractive, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. And then yet though, she was able to use her beauty to balance the power to, to use that you know, she just would calculate the nudity when it was, you know, time to do that, you know, things, things that were happening that she knew 
she's like, she had the foresight to know that that was going to balance the, the power struggle that she was in, in that particular time in that industry and what was going on. Um, and I think we can all relate to that. There are times in our own lives when the power is not equal, right. you know, when you can't voice something or you're, you're struggling to voice something. I think we can all relate to that. Um, and say, yeah, Marilyn, we've all been there. Maybe that's something we identify with and wish we had her, her looks in her body, but you know, <laughs> it's okay. You can, you come close. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, um, it was just so interesting for me to see how she was strategizing around power. Right. Yes. That was interesting. I'm just, I'm just thinking I, I will, I'm back to my book for a second. I'm remembering, you know, some of the things that quips that I would have her, have her interject. And, um, those just kind of came to me. You know, like they'd be, oh, that's fun. You know, like, and I, off the top of my head, I can't even really think of any of them right now, but, oh, play it. I think she said, play it cool, play it cool, pussycat. And she said, um, yeah, she just would make these little, in the, in the show the other night was like, oh yeah, you know, she, she knew how to be funny. Yeah, she had good timing, very good mm -hmm. timing. And well, she could command command the stage and be a performer, right? That just stopped everybody. I thought it was interesting too, this competition with Elizabeth Taylor, who knows if it was real or set up by the studio or whatever, but, you know, sometimes that does happen with women, you know, the competitive spirit, as opposed to lifting each other up and kind of helping each other, you know, we end up comparing ourselves or competing for power or for salary or for whatever it is. I, I just wondered if it was kind of an opportunity could have been handled differently, but I think it had more drama for the studio that they didn't get along. Oh yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm sure it did. I'm, I, that was also something that I did not know about. And that was, I mean, the studio was tanking. Right. Well, they had spent so much money on Cleopatra, right? right? And they had to let go of other, other films, but they put their money behind Elizabeth Taylor, as opposed to Marilyn Monroe. And that was, that was kind of when she started to look at different, a different mm -hmm. way. And I, I think <laughs> I just saw myself in that, like, oh, okay. I see I'm in this position and the company has decided to, um, promote this other person. I'm not promoted. What's going on there? Mm -hmm. Oh, maybe I should go look for another job. Maybe I should kind of look at myself again and say, am I appreciated here? Am I being respected here? Should I be looking for something else? And I think in her case, she definitely did. She started to look at like, yeah, this is my life. I'm going to run it the way that I want to. I'm going to go to this birthday party for the president of the United States, even though the studio does has said, no, right, I'm going to go right. do that. It's just, I don't know. There were so many things that I saw in her that I thought women today are still, are still doing this. Oh, we're still fighting against 
the patriarchy, right? <laughs> We're still trying to make our way through it. And I wonder, what do you think she would say to the millennials and the Gen Z generation? Well, I think she would say, um, <laughs> love yourself, stand up for yourself. And be smart, right? And, I think yeah, she would say, and be yeah. smart. Yeah, use your use your brains and don't I I I also not on the not on the show the other night, but I heard her in an interview where she said, you know, why do why do people um think that you when you have blonde hair, you're just dumb? <laughs> I mean, and, and and she she said that, you know, she goes, just by having blonde hair, you're considered dumb. And I I have to say, I mean, way back when I had blonde hair before I ever uh, started playing Marilyn, uh, you know, I had highlighted blonde hair and I was perceived in a completely different way than I was once I changed my hair to Auburn. I was, and I, and the parts that I got in um, Los Angeles were mostly dumb blonde roles. Back then, remember they, they, it's like they made a lot of the Hollywood actresses when I say, remember, remember they were all lined up yeah. uh, in the show the other night, platinum blondes. Well, she, she had a lot to do with it being glamorous. You know, she just knew how to, how to style herself and, you know, make it happen. Is there anything else that you would like to cover that we haven't covered about the book or about Marilyn before we. Uh, you, you had asked me previously if I considered myself as a leader in the way I wrote this book. And, um, I would say no, <laughs> however, I I'm, think you were, I'm excited that, um, it's resonated with, I'm hearing that it's resonated with women and men. Um, Steve, uh, my partner told me that when he read it, it really made him think about how he might've treated women when he was younger. And I thought, wow, that is great. And, and he thought, was I a good, was I a good man to people, you know, to women? And I thought, wow, that's great. I'm just amazed that um, men are, are resonating with the book as well as women, as well as women. I, I love the way that it turned out that, and I've said this three times, but that Marilyn is the voice of reason mm -hmm. that Marilyn is the one that says, basically says, you know, you've got to love yourself. And I think one time this was a line that she said to someone and I put it in the book, um, buck up princess, you've got everything in the world to smile about, you know? And I just, I love that, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, one of my, my takeaway is, is I was so intrigued to do this episode with you. I, I mean, it was, I read your book and I went, oh, this is great. And this was before the CNN thing came up. Right. And we, you and I were talking and I said, you know, let's talk about you as a leader with this book and, you know, the integration that you've done with it and the way you've written it. And um, then the CNN thing came on and we said, you know, let's listen to what they have to say, but we both knew before that, that she was a leader. Right. And that in her way, her, as you said, her authenticity is what made her a legend. Right. I think so. 
lots of pretty yeah. people out there who aren't legends. I mean, we don't, you know, we might know a little bit about them, but they're not legends like she is. Right. And that's one of the things I've learned about podcasting is that all you and I just have to be authentic. I mean, we just have to be ourselves. We don't have to pretend we don't have to act. We don't have to, it's just us, you know, uh -huh. two girls talking and, you know, we've got some listeners, God bless you for being there who are mm -hmm. enjoying this maybe and thinking about Marilyn a little bit differently. You know, that's, right. that was really why I wanted to do this because I thought we're talking about the whole thing about leadership and what leadership is for women. Marilyn was a leader to me and she was a leader at a time where she had no power, that their power was not given to her. She had to earn it. She had to steal it. She had to PR her way into it with stunts and events and, you know, right. calculated moves. And I'm like, whoa, that is power. That is power. So. Right. Right. That's been my key takeaway. Um, and usually at the end of our, of our episode, we always offer our guest, you know, if you'd like to say anything about your takeaway from today, or, you know, you're welcome to add anything. Oh, well, this has been a wonderful conversation. And while you were talking, um, this isn't really a takeaway, but I want to throw this in about Marilyn standing the test of time and becoming a legend. I think because she was so authentic and so, you know, so beloved, beloved, um, that her death has just been such a huge loss for, you know, um, it, I mean, it was so, she was so young, um, 36 years old. And I think that that's part of it. I, I never thought about it until we were talking that just the loss, the loss of that. And, and I think what they were trying to show us the other night on CNN was just how, you know, I think one of them even said she, if she had lived, she might've become an activist, you know, mm -hmm. um, it, it, she was a leader in terms of showing what a woman could do in the face of the patriarchy. And it was cut short. Yeah. So um, well, I think also in the face of civil rights, right? Yeah. She was Ella Fitzgerald's advocate. Right. You know, yeah. it's just the, the people like, even like Betty White that we remember are people who stood for something more right. than themselves. Right. And I think um, the beauty of her is not just the way she looked, but the way she stood for other people and stood for herself. And I, I again, I'm, I think that's just remarkable. Right. Yes, I do too. Yeah. I have a whole new appreciation. So I could, I could also say my takeaway, not just from this, um, our conversation tonight, but in terms of the book and the response I'm getting and everything like that, I went for years where I was just oh, here we go again. People see me as Marilyn and not as myself and blah, blah, blah. 
And now I have this whole new appreciation. I'm very excited. I'm able to be a part of this, <laughs> you know, whatever this is. It's a, it's a totally different way of feeling. I, re- I really love that. Um, I've overcome my uh, BS, for lack of a better word, <laughs> and, in embrace, and in, I'm embracing the whole relationship with Marilyn. Well, it's, it's a bit of your history too, right? I mean, it's, we all have had things that have shaped us. Right. And yours just happens to be a legend. (laughs) (laughs) The rest of us have had people or places or things, you know, that have contributed to us and, and helped shape us. What I think I'm so excited for you is that your voice is so clear in this book. That is amazing. That is amazing. That is, I, I, I just felt it. And I think that's what happens when people read your book, they get feelings, they identify with Kelly Jean, you know, they, they go, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, how come I can't kick that guy to the curb? You know, it's like, why does he keep coming back? You know? Or, you know, just, just how she was, we can lost for a while. You know, she was trying to find herself. Oh my God. Those are my, you know, my twenties definitely lost for a while. I think that's, that's just so beautiful to see in you, Holly is just that the book and how you've created that and used your voice to create it. Thank you. An inspiration Mm -hmm. for all of us. (laughs) So thank you for joining us today. And Um, Thank you. Right. And listeners, um, please join us again. And um, Holly, why don't you tell people about how they can order the book? Okay. And, you know, go through the title and everything so they have it. Yes. So the title is Me, Myself, and Marilyn, Travails of a Love-Hungry Lookalike. And it is available on Amazon. Um, That's the most direct way to buy it. It's available as a paperback, a hardcover, an ebook, and an audible, an audiobook on Audible. But you can go through Amazon. Again, thank you, Holly, for joining us. That's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. So thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode and will join us next week. Our special guest will be Birgit Hoogland Wood, an HR executive who will explore the question with us, can't we ditch performance appraisals? Remember to leave us a review or comment and be sure to join our Girl Take the Lead Facebook group. Talk to you later.